Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, May 20th, 2019. Getting used to the new format. It seems like most of the time our episodes are not an hour long, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm trying to fill it out with some teaching here. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast What the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching that's put forward for consumption uh, by the average evangelicals, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. It's generally a mess out there. And uh, we try to unpack it and help you understand what God's Word is really saying, is is a good way of putting it. So, all right, a little bit of some house-cleaning things. The... um, Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest is done, and based upon our post-production schedule and getting everything out, what we're going to do is we are going to open up uh, the voting. In fact, if you're listening to this, voting is available, and here's our window. It'll be available until uh, the basically the end of the day on June 9th, yeah. So Sunday, June 9th, is uh, be your last time to vote. Voting will be closed uh, as soon as I can get to, uh, you know, to close the voting, you know, sometime in the night on June the 9th. And uh, our intention is to do a live stream on June the 10th uh, to announce the winner. And we may be doing some prophecy bingo. I, I'm just putting it out there. We may, it may, it may be prophecy bingo plus... Um, revealing you know, the winner 
of the Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. Uh, yeah, live streams are, you know, they're kind of alive and they do their own thing. So, you know, if you, you if you haven't voted yet, you got to get out there and vote for your favorite. <laughs> By favorite, I mean the worst one that you <clears throat> can think of uh, in the five that we've uh, chosen. So just want to let you know that. And then um, registration for this year's 2019 Pirate Christian Radio Conference, which will be in Swansea in the United Kingdom. Totally free to attend, uh, but you got to register. It'll be limited to like the first 120, 150 registrants. Myself, Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley, Carrie Ferguson, and one other will be us. Will, will be the special speakers for this year's get together. Uh, we'll be at the Siloam Baptist Church in Swansea in the United Kingdom, August 9th and 10th. And you know, if you have the ability to be there, uh, you're going to want to be there. It'll be a good time opportunity for you to meet myself and uh, Pastor Charmley. And it'll be a good time of fellowship. And generally, that's kind of what these these are like, kind of like hangouts with like good theology is is the idea. Good interaction and uh, looking forward to uh, meeting uh, our listeners in Western Europe who are able to attend at that time. So uh, we'll get the uh, uh, the website up for registration soon here, and like really, really soon, so that we can get that out. And then once we hit our limit, you know, the registration page might disappear. That's how that works. So, all right, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's installment of Fighting for the Faith. Um, Yeah, it's just going to be weird. Uh, We're going to be doing two things, two segments today. First segment, we are heading down to C3 Church, uh, San Diego, as we listen to Brad Jones. Um, The name of the message is titled, um, How Attractive Are You? How Attractive Are You? And uh, this is one of those messages where, you know, he, he claims that he's hearing directly from God. You got to make the church attractive and stuff. And uh, I'll give you more explanation about that on the other side of the intro to it. Then we'll take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to be listening to uh, Jim Baker and uh, Lance Wallnow um, hawking um, magical Trump coins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a touch point with God and stuff. And and I mean, even the Jewish Sanhedrin has played a role in bringing these magical Trump coins to to market. And uh, we'll take a look at that when the time comes. So that will be today's installment of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. Uh, We got a lot of ground we got to cover. And since we're going to begin with a prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update let's do this get up right now Listen to this. 
All right. So if you've ever, you know, been sitting there in church and somebody said, you know, hey, God said this to me. And, you know, it's kind of conversational, you know. And, and so I said to God, hey, and then God said, whoa. And then, you know, and, and then he said to do this thing. And, and, then, and then, you know, and then I went, whoa, God, that's kind of big. And do you know, case in point, we're going to be heading down to C3 Church in San Diego as we listen to. His name is Brad Jones. I had to look because this is a guy I've never reviewed before. Brad Jones. He's uh, the youth pastor down there at C3 San Diego, at least one of their campi. He works with the youth. And we're going to listen to roughly, you know, an eight to nine, maybe ten minute segment of a sermon titled, How Attractive Are You? Which already that's a problematic title for a message. But the uh, the basic premise behind this is that, well, the church needs to make itself attractive to, you know, to the world, which is not at all what the church is supposed to be doing. And uh, and so, you know, aside from the bad theology, we've got a problem here. And that is, is that Brad isn't really going to be quoting any biblical text in context. He's going to claim direct revelation from God, conversational revelation from God, which will form a major portion of this message. And it, and then at the end, he's going to decree and declare and command and control thingies and stuff. And uh, what he's engaging in is not biblical Christianity at all. So let's uh, whirl this up. Here is, yeah, I had to look again, Brad Jones from C3 San Diego. Here we go. Oh. So I'm looking around, and then all of a sudden, this kind of feeling hit me, and I just realized, man, I wonder what their lives are like. Now, he, he's regaling his audience with a personal story where he was you know, interacting with a whole bunch of people, a group of people, wondering what they were like. You know, you people watch. I went from, like, judgy people watch back in the day to, like, <laughs> now I just wonder what their lives are like. It's kind of interesting. And, and it hit me, and I'm like, man, God, I don't know if they're happy. They don't really look very happy. I wonder, like, what if they had the relationship that we have? Like, it's an amazing thing to have the, a relationship with God. Like I said, I, 15 years, I had nothing. Now, note by talking about having a relationship with God as opposed to having a religion. And... This is a kind of a wonky way to talk, but this this is evangelical buzzwords. And the gist of it is, if you were to think about it, you know, there in Scripture there's a theme regarding those who, Yodea, they know God. And this is an intimate knowledge. And, and there is an aspect in which you can talk about knowing God and knowing Him intimately, knowing Him well, knowing Him through His Word. This is most certainly true. But oftentimes when people talk about having a religion versus a relationship, it's a, it's a wonky way of saying, hey, listen, we're not saved by doing stuff. You know, religious things, lighting candles, kneeling on kneelers, and, and earning you know, religious brownie points with God, and then you're saved. Uh, in, instead, it, 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 there's a, it, you know, a relationship is kind of loosely synonymous with this idea that we're saved by grace through faith because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, the problem is it's morphed. You know, the, the concept has lost its you know its anchorage, and it's morphed into well, if you're not, you know, if you haven't turned Jesus into your naggy girlfriend, 
you know, who's always demanding, you know, quality time with you, uh, you know, then you may not be a Christian. You know, that's where it gets really strange and weird. Now, what he's going to be doing here is claiming he has an intimate relationship with God, so much so that he and God dialogue all the time together. I was lonely, and then I'm like, man, why can't everybody be a Christian? <laughs> might be, you know, a little bit bold statement, but I believe it, and I think tonight we're going to all believe it. And uh, and so, as clear as day, he just goes, they're not attracted to me. And now begins the uh, the dialogue with God portion of the message. I'm like, what? God. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? Because I got an image issue. I'm like, God has an image issue. <clears throat> now, real quick, I'm going to duplicate a tab here, and I want to go to Romans chapter 3. God does not have an image issue. We have a sin issue, a, a, a horrible one. Each and every one of us is born under the dominion of darkness. But listen again to Romans chapter 3, which describes every single human being. Uh, that's directly descendant naturally to Adam and Eve. Paul writes, well, what then? Are we Jews any better off? Well, no, not at all. We have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. Mm -hmm. God doesn't have an image issue. The issue is, is that the uh, the devastation of sin wrought on humanity as a result of our fall through our first parents, Adam and Eve, have made it so that no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and in their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And just a little bit of a note there, the Apostle Paul is citing. I mean, this, these words don't appear once in Scripture. They don't appear twice in Scripture. They appear twice in the Old Testament, in Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, as well as Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. And then the third time they appear, it's in Romans chapter 3. So, you know, the fact that these words, that there are none righteous, appears three times in Scripture ought to kind of make the point that the issue isn't that God has an image problem or that people aren't attracted to him because we haven't made him attractive. The issue is we're dead in trespasses and sins, and none of us seeks for God, but God seeks for us. Christ has, he, came, he says, I came to seek and save the lost. See, Jesus is the seeker, we're not. But I digress. Let's come back to Brad here. What do you mean, God? You know, I'm like, <laughs> of anybody that has an image issue, it shouldn't be you. You, you talk that way to God. You go, <laughs> Yeah, and you live to tell about it? Like you created everything. You created beauty. Your face, like the sun, eyes, lightning, fire. His body, it says that it's like glimmering metal. With and you had to remind God of this, really. Fire on the inside. I don't even know how you can see it, but you can. <laughs> his legs. Literally, it says, I think in Ezekiel, that there's a rainbow constantly around his throne. Like he is beauty. I'm like, God, what are you talking about? 
And he goes, he goes, yeah, I know. And you forgot I never age. I'm like, duh, yes, my point. And he said, Brad, am I a liar? And I said, no, your Bible says not. Has this guy had a mental evaluation? I mean, he's hearing voices that are clearly not God. So who did I say holds my image? And I said, I don't like this conversation anymore. Yeah, man was originally created in the image of God. That image is marred and destroyed and shattered as a result of man's fall into sin. Now, let me show you another passage that bears that out so that you don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Ephesians chapter 2, which has verses 8, 9, and 10, which everybody, you know, many Christians know by heart. Uh, here's what it says in the opening part of chapter 2, which describes our state prior to becoming Christians. As for you, you were dead dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And watch this. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Yeah, that's after the fall. After the fall, every single human being is born dead in trespasses and sins and by nature is a child of wrath. Yeah. So uh, don't underestimate the effects of sin, uh, Adam and Eve's sin upon the entire race. It's, it's blown us out, it, you know, completely decimated us, made us dead in trespasses and sins and objects of God's wrath by nature. <laughs> Me? And he goes, Exactly. And I go, so it's not that they're not attracted to you. They're not attracted to me. And so then I believe. Was, Is this kind of some kind of a weird, you know, double entendre that he, that uh, Brad wants people attracted to him? So we're going to talk about three things that make a Christian attractive that he showed me. And, and I said, you know what, fine. So notice three things that make a Christian attractive that God showed him. We're not going to find this in the scripture. No, this is what God showed. Him. Game on. Game on. I'm going to become as attractive as I can. Marry a cute blonde. Have her dress me. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, what we're going to talk about tonight, and if, you know, if, again, like I said, if I offended you, you do not need to have the face of Brad Pitt, the muscles of Pastor John, or a body like a supermodel to become attractive. You guys want to become attractive, though? Let's do this. Yeah, for me, that, uh, that, that cow left the barn a long time ago. Point number one, to become more attractive, you must know who you are. You gotta yeah, I'm Chris Rosebro. Says it on my passport, birth certificate and stuff, yeah. You know who you are. True for the natural, true for the supernatural, actually. So this is a big one in uh, youth ministry, in youth, right now. I don't know why. I'd say probably the last 50 years, the church has backed off on telling teenagers who they are. And so culture has swept them away in the sea. And now there's an identity crisis that, you know, I'm no historian, but I believe is one of the greatest in human history. We have no idea who we are. The devil is... Yeah, that might have something to do with humanity's fall into sin. You know, just saying. Selling kids a lie. And so, um, but, but before we jump into that, let's define it. When I say attractive, I mean magnetic. 
drawing, desirable, wanting. Your Christianity is magnetic. If Who says? Jesus promises his followers persecution and suffering. So where in the Bible can I go to find the admonition to make my Christianity attractive, magnetic, you know, if you would? If that were the case, there wouldn't be an empty seat in this room. You see, it's your fault that there are empty seats in your church because you just haven't made your Christianity magnetic and attractive enough. There wouldn't. How should we speak? So, so I'm, I oversee youth ministry here. And it breaks my heart seeing these young girls and the identity issue. You know, whatever happened, you're a child of God, a princess, beauty and wonder. You're incredible. You're not nothing. Stop acting that way. Okay. The reason why human beings, including female teenagers and female and male teenagers, is just kind of throw it up. The reason why uh, we all struggle with sin is not because we don't think of ourselves as princes and princesses. In fact, in my experience, the person who thinks they're a princess or a prince. It generally is a narcissistic person with a ginormous ego and a spoiled child to boot. Uh, generally, they do not exemplify uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, Sivaruka salt, Charlie and the chocolate factor, if you're not sure what I'm talking about here. Um, so the solution to our problem is to recognize the impact of sin and that sin causes us to be like the devil, to be bent in on ourselves. Christ says the one who humbles himself, he will exalt, not the one who exalts himself. So we got to be real careful here because, yeah, the, the my problem with sin has nothing to do with the fact that I fail to recognize that I'm a prince. Yeah. Your royalty. The devil's selling them a lie. And it's time for the church to get attractive so that we can start speaking life into these teenagers. I, I, I need to get attractive. Biblical text, please, on me getting attractive. So tonight, a couple quick things as we go. I truly believe we're going to tear down this idea of unworthiness. We're going to tear it down tonight. You guys ready? Tear down the idea of unworthiness. Um, okay, let's see what we can do here with another text. Because, you know, I'm not sure what he's talking about. Let me show you what uh, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us in Romans chapter 5. And listen to this. While we were still weak... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. If, if you ain't one of them, Jesus didn't die for you. In fact, if you ain't ungodly, bad grammar, I understand. But if you ain't ungodly, you don't need Jesus, the crucified and risen Savior of the world. You see, Christ died for the ungodly. I would argue that being ungodly has something to do with being unworthy, especially when it comes to things like life, eternal life, and stuff like that. 
And then Paul goes on, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows or demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God demonstrates his love for us while we're sinners. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? That's the very thing we're being saved from, the wrath of God, hell. Have you heard of these concepts? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? And so you'll note, Christ saves us while we're enemies of God. Enemies are worthy of death, death, you know, punishment, you know, all the things that go along with being an enemy of God. Yeah, so I'm not exactly worthy in and of myself. It's funny, though, that in the book of Deuteronomy, that uh, God himself also makes it very clear as to why he chose his people. And now remember, Christians are grafted into Israel. We don't replace Israel. We're grafted in. So so here, here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, starting at verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. And it is, But it is because Yahweh loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that Yahweh has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that Yahweh your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to the face to their face those who hate him by destroying them. So, yeah, you'll note that uh, Israel wasn't saved because they were worthy. They were saved because of God's great love. We aren't saved because we're worthy. We were enemies of God. But Christ dies for us even while we're ungodly, while we're sinners, while we're enemies of God. We didn't, we weren't worthy of our salvation. God had mercy on us. Big difference. And notice we're not hearing this. So uh, Brad is, uh, well, sounds to me like he's filling people's heads with nonsense. He's scratching itching ears. And what he's saying doesn't square with the written word of God, yet he claims to have verbal dialogue with God directly. Hmm. I, because he's contradicting the word of God, I'm 100% certain, 110, maybe even 120% certain he ain't hearing God's voice at all. Whatever he's talking to, it's either himself or he's lying or he's talking to a demon, but he ain't talking to God the Holy Spirit. So I, so this is, maybe it's just me, I'm in youth ministry, so I think kind of a, I don't know, maybe like a kid, but I believe that we've got a, a gross misunderstanding of our identity, who we are. Like really, I think we're going to get to heaven and just be like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe this is what it's going to be like, right? So say you just die, right? And you go to heaven, and you're walking. Now notice this next part is not in scripture. This is just him making stuff up. Yeah. And preaching it. During a sermon. Walking around, streets made of gold, God's rainbow, like epicness, right? It's utopian. You just, and you keep hearing this like, <laughs> you walk, you just, 
what the? And there's a little, little baby angel right here, like a little, a little training angel. <laughs> and he just goes like this. Wow. You're a human. You're so special. And you're like, what? Back off, dude. I'm like trying to do this thing in heaven now. And he's like, what was earth like? And you're like, what? I don't know. It's kind of boring, I guess. What did you do on earth? You're so special. And you're like, oh, he has them entertained. I mean, they're rolling on the floor laughing because it's so funny. (laughs) This is uh, abhorrent. The job of a pastor is to preach the word. That's what scripture says. I don't see him doing that at all. I don't. I was an accountant. <laughs> a special accountant. And you're like, all right. And he goes, you're so special. And you're like, listen, dude, you're kind of annoying. Why do you keep calling me special? Like, back off. I'm not special. Like, I didn't really do much on earth. I just kind of. All right, let's take a look at another biblical text just to remind us of uh, the warning that the Apostle Paul gives us in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll back up just to the very tail end of chapter 3 because it points us to the written word of God and uh, and then get into 4. And so Paul, writing to young Pastor Timothy, uh, he says in verse 14 of uh, 2 Timothy 3, As for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Sacred writings would be the scripture, the grammata in Greek, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is theonoustos. It is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Notice, Paul is pointing Timothy to the Scripture. Paul is getting ready to die. He's about to be beheaded. He's not that far away from being beheaded after he writes this letter. So, note, he's pointing him right to the Scriptures. They're going to equip you for every good work. And then he says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. And watch what stands out in contradistinction. Let him finish his thought. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And passions here is talking about the passions of your sinful flesh. And they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they'll wander off into myths. Yeah, I, I think there's some wandering off into mythos. Mythos? Yes. Uh, myths uh, in this uh, particular sermon. I lived, went to work. Like, what do you mean I'm special? And he goes, what do you mean? And you say, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's like kind of like, I think angels have attitude in heaven. What do you mean? All of a sudden he turns from sweet to just mean. And, it, and then he just looks over and he goes, the king has never left, ever. And then one day he gathered all the angels and he said, I'm leaving. And we're like, why? And he's like, I'm going to earth. And we're like, why? 
And he goes, because the humans need help. And we're like, why? <laughs> you mean the angels aren't aware of why Christ would be incarnate? And he goes, because I love them. And they're so special to me. You see, I think we have a really gross understanding of our identity. Perspective is everything, especially with youth. When you look at something like this, you don't see, like if I'm looking at our church this way, it's pretty attractive. If I'm looking at it this way, it's a whole new set of people. I'm not going to tell you which side was more attractive. (laughs) But you see, we constantly are looking up to find our identity. But have we ever thought, what does it look like from up there down? <clears throat> yeah, this is pseudo profundity. Do you have a biblical text that you're supposed to be preaching from? I'd like to hear or see that because I'm looking at your podium there and your Bible is unopened. It's sitting on the podium, you know, right over there, and it's not open. How do you preach a sermon with an unopened Bible? The Bible here says, First Peter. All right, so he's looking at his notes now. First Peter, all right. And even the angels, this is regarding your salvation. This is regarding you. Now I'm going to back this up because I want you to hear this. We'll uh, fact check it in a minute by checking it in context. But uh, notice uh, he's been talking about how special you are and, and the angel going, you're a human, you're special. You know, the claw, it has chosen me. Anyway. Uh, you, you get the idea, but let me back this up. I want you to hear it again in context. Now, the Bible here says, First Peter, and even the angels, this is regarding your salvation. This is regarding you. Regarding your salvation, not regarding you. We'll talk about that in a second. Look into you. What? They, 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 they look into me? No, 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 not at all. Okay, let's see here. I'm going to have to actually put this down. First, Peter, it's in chapter 1, thankfully. Uh, So let's apply our three rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are context, context, and context. That's right. You just look at these things in context. And we're going to look to see if angels look into you or look into me. If that's what Peter was saying. Uh, So Peter, an apostle of of Jesus Christ, let me skip to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again. Notice who's the active agent in our rebirth, our being born again. It's Jesus. Yeah, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me fast forward just a little bit. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, And what is the outcome of our faith? It is the salvation of our souls. Now, concerning this salvation, the salvation of your soul, right? The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they searched 
and they inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Notice it doesn't say who the angels want to look into. It says things into which the angels long to look. And this is talking about the mystery of our salvation, the mystery that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, the the mystery that the Son of God would be incarnate of the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, you know, and would be made man. But this is what we're talking about here. So so this good news, the gospel that Christ died for our sins, even the angels long to look into that. Hmm. That's what this text is talking about. But that's not what Brad said. Let me back this up again. First Peter, and even the angels, this is regarding your salvation, this is regarding you, look into you. No, they don't. And that ain't what Peter said in First Peter. Even the angels look into those things. In Psalms, it's, it's David speaking. He says, he's looking at the heavens and the stars and the moon. He says, what your finger has done. What is man? It's incredible. Yeah, what is man that you are mindful of him? It, it, this isn't, I'm not denying at all that God has saved us because of his great love for us. That the creation that he has made that has rebelled against him and fallen into sin, in his great love he has had mercy. He's pitied us. And it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling that God would even consider us rather than just throw us all into hell like we all deserve. This is most certainly true, but that doesn't make me a princess. I mean a prince. <laughs> but you get the idea. What is man that you're mindful of him? Deuteronomy says that to the Lord, to the, Lord the heavens and the earth belong to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the Lord, the, the heavens and the earth are him, are his, and yet he set his affection on us. Yeah, indeed. I wish I could put it up right now, but those of you who like is look it, at nebulas and stars and galaxies. Is it because we are worthy? No. It's because of his great love and his mercy and his kindness. Not because we are worthy. We're not and stuff it's unreal like absolutely jaw-dropping what god created with his finger we are one i don't know if there's a scientist you could tell us but we're like 100 billion we're one of 100 billion galaxies in the known universe and it says that he set his affection on us you're so special Jeremiah 29 11 you guys know this one but it's, it doesn't say that god just thinks thoughts it think he thinks thoughts towards you yeah, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Go read it in context. It's not a letter written to you. It's a letter written to the exiles in Babylon. To prosper you, to give you hope. And the you there in the Hebrew is plural. It's y'all. All y'all. It, ain't, it isn't you singular. This is David again. You knitted me in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Most certainly true. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Also sinner. 
and born dead in trespasses and sins and by nature an object of God's wrath. That's what Ephesians 2 said. I mean, how many of us are going, man, I wake up in the morning, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> this is like breeding narcissism here rather than repentance. It's, it's breeding and exalting of self rather than a humbling of self. And then my favorite, I spoke of this one before, Genesis 127, that you're made in the image and likeness of the creator. Yeah, Adam and Eve were. And that image has been decimated by sin. You have no idea how special you are. Stop thinking you're a nobody. Just stop it. Come on. Actually, I said we're going to tear down some, some walls of unworthiness. Okay, so apparently we've, we've got a problem here with major unworthiness thinking and talk and stuff. Oh, we got to tear down the walls of unworthiness. All right, Brad, how do you suppose that you're going to tear down the walls of unworthiness? Can you show me an example of how that's done from the written word of God? Uh, you guys, I do deliverance. Do you guys mind if we do a little bit of a little sneak peek into deliverance training? A deliverance training, which means he believes that Christians are possessed by demons. You guys want to do it? No. Uh, I want you to close your eyes right now. No. Here's the thing. Anybody, and this is, maybe, it's, maybe you don't deal with this, but if you do, you know who I'm talking to. What happens in the spiritual realm is we make agreements, legal binding agreements. And he- yeah, and where in the Bible does it say that in the spiritual realm we make legal binding agreements with the devil? Hmm? I'd like to see that. Which text says that? Even though God has set his affection upon you, mm-hmm. even though he loves you, even though you're made in his likeness and image, that if you make an agreement with the enemy, then he honors your will. Mm. Yeah, again, I need a biblical text for that. You got one? No, you don't, because no biblical text like this even exists. It's a powerful thing. Your will, I'd say it, it comes close to rivaling his will. What? My will comes close to rivaling the will of God. Are you kidding me? It's one of the most powerful things. And so when you make an agreement that you're not worthy, the devil comes in and signs it. And so this is what... Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Where does it say that in the Bible? We're going to do. We're going to break it right now. Uh Oh. Okay. You know, I, I think this part about you signing, you know, you, you saying and coming in a verbal agreement and then the devil signing it, it's, it's in the Bible. It's right. It's in the same passage, I think, that, uh, that says that you need to pray to the Virgin Mary. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's also in that same passage of Scripture that uh, talks about purgatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the ticket. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that, it's, I'm sure it's right next to that. Yeah. So I want you to think of that agreement that you've made that you're unworthy. And I want you to repeat this after me. Say this by the power of the blood of Jesus. I tear the agreement I made saying I'm unworthy. I, wow, this guy's just making stuff up, you know? So apparently a binding contract, you know, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, 
so let's decide. Let, let me just say that I decided I'm, I feel terrible about the agreement that I made with my mortgage company, you know, and I have to keep sending them money month after month after month after month. Darn you, mortgage company, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm upset that, you know, that you signed the agreement that we had. And so I know I am just going to tear up the mortgage docs. <laughs> I torn them up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I, I'm, I'm going to let you have it. No mortgage people. You, you, I'm just, I'm sticking it to the banker, man. I just tore this. Up. Yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to pay my mortgage anymore. It doesn't work that way. You're still going to have money that's due at the beginning of the month and you better pay it or you're going to lose your house. So if, if you sign an agreement with the devil, do you think tearing it up is going to somehow make it void? This is just, this is pretend theology. This isn't, this is pretend doctrine. This guy's just making stuff up. He hears voices in his head and now he's making things up. I want you to literally think of tearing that agreement up. Oh yeah, that that that'll do it. Yeah, just think of it. You don't even have to physically tear up your mortgage now. You just kind of mentally go. Yeah, that that yeah. I make a new agreement that states. I am worthy because He is worthy. What a complete and utter waste of time. You could have used this time to actually disciple them in something the Bible actually teaches and that scripture really says. That's it. So you now have broken the agreement. Now I'm going to pray for you. So Father, right? Uh, I think you get the point. Yeah, there's no way to rescue that thing. It's a... Yeah, that's just a stinking, burning dumpster fire. I should have made that a dumpster fire. but Wow! What a mess. So, no, remember what the, what Paul said. The job of a pastor is to preach the word. And so Brad Jones, for all this talk of having a relationship with God, apparently it's not tight enough of a relationship to where he would actually obey what God has commanded him to do in the written word of God, you know, in the Bible. So he makes stuff up, invents dialogue that he has with God, and God's theology is all wackerdoodle in his... His, you know, supposed conversations, and then he comes up with a problem that is the exact opposite of the problem we really have, and the solution he comes up with is just, you know, make up some. I, I do deliverance, so I'm you. You came into an agreement with the devil, so just take that and tear it up and make a new agreement. Yeah, and, and even use legalese kind of language to make it sound official and stuff. But what he's done is nothing. He hasn't called anyone to repent of their sins to recognize their unworthiness before God and to recognize that we each need a crucified and risen Savior in Jesus Christ. He is the one who makes us worthy by taking our sin upon himself and bleeding in my place and in yours. You see, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. And as it says in Isaiah, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, we are worthy, made worthy, because Christ has taken all of our sinful unworthiness and he's bled and died for it on the cross and risen from the grave. And so he calls us to repent of our sins, to humble ourselves, and to recognize that we are, well, by nature, objects of God's wrath so that he can make us alive in Christ. 
and give us eternal life as a gift. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to bug you and bore you with all that biblical stuff because, you know, C3 San Diego, they're super relevant and they don't need, they don't need any Bible stuff. They can just make up their own stuff and call it Christianity and Christian doctrine. And that's the problem. And there's far too many churches that do this. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My mail address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. Heading over to the Jim Baker Show as Jim and Lance Wow now are claiming Donald Trump is the Isaiah 45 Cyrus dude and they're selling coins to boot. We'll be right back. Peter, James, John, and Paul are all dead. That means there are no living apostles in the church today. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, frenzy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. <clears throat> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. the bell. Rick Warren and Joe Osteen come charging out of their corners to begin round five and the punches are already flying. Warren delivers a clean uppercut into Osteen's jaw. Now missing a beat, Osteen returns the favor with a swift jab to Warren's ribcage. Warren staggers a little but lunges and lands a stunning blow to Osteen's right temple. Osteen's light-footedness has allowed him to dodge a majority of Warren's more devastating blows, but I think he may be in trouble now. Warren is coming in for the knock and Oh! Rick Warren has punched Osteen in the face with a wild haymaker, and he's down. Osteen was hit so hard that his mouth guard has flown into the nosebleed section of the audience. Warren really put all his weight into that one. Osteen has begun to stand back up while using the rope for support. He's... he's almost up. He's up! Joe Osteen is still standing, folks. The crowd is going wild. Joe Osteen is now doing something unprecedented. He's... he's smiling. Joel Osteen's white teeth have blinded Rick Warren, and Rick Warren is now lying flat on his back. It's a technical knockout. Rick Warren is down for the count, ladies and gentlemen, making Joel Osteen the uncontested winner.
Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith um, could cause you to think that Donald Trump is not the Cyrus mentioned by Isaiah in chapter 45. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions, in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. And rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, Click on the donate button. If you'd like to become a patron via Patreon, click on the become a patron button. If you would like to support us the traditional analog way, you can do that as well. Make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here 
without it. Moving along. Yep, time for a Jim Baker show update. Listen to Thirty Eagles tune. Doom and gloom. God is telling us the end is coming soon. Very soon. You'll see signs up in the sun and stars and moon. Doom and gloom. Very soon. Rapture comes at night or noon. Doom and gloom. Very soon. If you're ready, you will meet the bride and groom. Yeah, that's right. Being ready means buying lots and lots of food buckets from Jim Baker. And now, apparently, um, buying gold coins, uh, commemorating Trump as the Cyrus of Isaiah 45. That's right, Isaiah 45. If you've been told that Donald Trump is the fulfillment of Isaiah 45 and that he is the Cyrus of Isaiah 45, yeah, yeah, you've been duped case in point we're going to be heading to the jim baker show where he recently had lance Walnow of the seven mountains mandate of the nar uh the new apostolic reformation on his program and they are selling a coin it's gold electroplated coin so it'll turn green in your pocket if you keep it there for any length of time uh, but it's it you know it's apparently struck in israel and the and the jewish sanhedrin's all up on it they just think it's the bee's knees and uh, and they're, they're selling this uh, electroplated gold coin, uh, and and saying that God says it's a touch point and things like that. We're gonna take a look at that segment of the Jim Baker show, and we're gonna explain why Trump is not the fulfillment of Isaiah forty five, like not even close, not at all, and why Christians should be rejecting these kinds of crackpot, uh, you know, wing nuts, you know, within the visible church because they're not helping the body of Christ. In fact, they're destroying the body of Christ. And even worse, they're a cancer and they're not really going to help us politically either. It, it's you, you don't want to <clears throat> partner with people like this. You need to call them to account and rebuke them and, and make sure that they're not teaching what's in accord with false doctrine and making merchandise of the church and things like that yeah yeah so uh, heading over to the jim baker show hope you're sitting down uh have an open bible uh, by the way i never ask anybody to uh listen to what i'm saying with an open mind Nah, it's not necessary just have an open bible fact check me if you would and you'll see what we're saying all right so heading over to the jim <clears throat> baker show here we go yes and yes then we have Something very special that I've been trying to get for a long time, and you finally got it done. You told me to do it. <laughs> yeah. you, you, said, you said, why don't you do this? But it, I thought, it took right, a connection, yeah. an Israeli connection. Yeah. Tell us about, this is something at the coin mm. from Israel. Trump Cyrus. In, in a Cyrus. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, Donald Trump in the front, Cyrus in the back. The 70-year decree Cyrus-Trump proclamation. Donald Trump is not the Cyrus of Isaiah 45. King Cyrus 
of the Medes and Persians and Babylon. He was the King Cyrus whom Isaiah was prophesying about. Yeah, that's just weird. Cyrus and Trump's picture on the front, the Sanhedrin <laughs> approached you about this, that's right? Crazy. I mean, honestly, life gets surreal at times. And uh, so I was, I was talking about Donald Trump and Cyrus, and I was getting banged on by the New York Times and all the left media because they said these evangelicals are nuts. They're trying to make Donald Trump, that barbarian, into a Bible care hero. And it's like... Yeah. Um, Donald Trump is not a Bible hero. He's not mentioned in Scripture. He's not even mentioned in passing. He is the president of the United States. And whether you support him or not... Uh, that doesn't matter. Under no circumstances should you turn Donald Trump or any politician into a Bible hero, unless that person, you know, turns out to be the Antichrist or something like that. But uh, yeah, Trump isn't that either. So um, yeah, and you're going to note here, Lance Wellnow is talking in such a way that he's totally expecting that if you're a Christian, you're on board with him. In, in in his assessment and prophecy regarding Trump, yeah, no. Like, they're calling him a Bible character. And I'm going, oh, my Boy, gosh. is he a Bible character. He is a Bible character. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh. No, he's not. Oh, he's like, <laughs> You're a Bible character. Exactly. So I so I got a call from the guy from the Sanhedrin to say, well, the Sanhedrin wants to thank you for your work. The Sanhedrin. Woo! Um, yeah, it, just, you know, I want to point out that uh, when Jesus was um, doing his earthly ministry prior to his, you know, crucifixion, the Sanhedrin wasn't exactly on board with Jesus's ministry. And then, you know, when Peter and John and James and the apostles that were spreading the good news of Christ and him crucified for our sins and his you know, and that claiming that they were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, the Sanhedrin wasn't exactly, yeah, you guys just go and you preach that stuff. Yeah, we're with you. No, they were opposing it all the way. So, you know, why as a, as a Christian should I be sitting there going, well, the Sanhedrin is on board with this. That, that, that's great. <laughs> no work with the Donald Trump. They've been following the prophecies on Cyrus with great... This is a Jewish Sanhedrin. And um, they've, um, they agree with what you've said, and they're minting a coin and sending it to you. It is a uh, coin of the head of Cyrus and Donald Trump and the new and expected Jewish temple. On the other side, they believe this is a prophetic minted coin, and they're calling it the uh, temple coin. So they sent it to me, and I'm holding I'm going, wow, I, that's amazing. They had more creativity and faith in my prophecy than I did. <laughs> so, right, right. So then I, yeah, look at that. They have more confidence that that was a real prophecy than even Lance Wall now. That just doesn't speak well of him. Now, let, let's do a little bit of work here. We're going to pause and open up the Bible, let's take a look at the passage in question, Isaiah chapter 45. And this is a prophecy given by Isaiah, you know, more, in more than a century before Cyrus lived. So, I mean, this is, this is an amazing historical prophecy, extremely accurate in calling forth the name of this fellow even before his 
parents were born, you know, and probably before his grandparents were born. So here's what it says. Thus says Yahweh to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him, the gates that, that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, Yahweh, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. So you're going to know that if, if, if Daniel quoted Isaiah to Cyrus and showed him this prophecy long before, yeah, that would have been quite an impressive prophecy long before he even lived, and that's the point. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name, and I name you, though you do not know me. I am Yahweh, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. And so God, through the prophet Isaiah, is sending a message to King Cyrus. I am the only God that there is. I am Yahweh. That's my name. There is no other God beside me. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun from the west that there is none besides me. I am Yahweh and there is no other. I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am Yahweh who does all these things. So great prophecy. But I'm going to point something out that's a little bit obvious here. Are you ready? Cyrus. Cyrus. Or in Hebrew, Koresh. Yeah, Koresh. And then here, here's, here's the next word. Are you ready? Trump. Cyrus. Trump. You see, they don't even sound the same because they're not the same. This is not a prophecy regarding Donald Trump. This is a fulfilled prophecy, a prophecy given by God through the prophet Isaiah to King Koresh. That's his name in Hebrew. Not Trump. Not Donald Trump. The United States is nowhere mentioned in, in Isaiah. And this is important. We as Christians must, and I mean this, must say no. Don't let your politics keep you from saying this is false doctrine. This is a twisting and manipulating of God's word. This, is, you know, this prophecy is not about Donald Trump at all. And you don't want wingnuts like Lance Wallnau and Jim Baker being the, the, the front and foremost you know, spokesman for uh, conservatives. At, like, not at all. These, these men are dangerous, dangerous wolves. Now, let, let, me, let me walk through a couple of other passages here and kind of point this out. Now, one of the things uh, I specialize in and bring to, you know, bring to my programs is, uh, is this idea that Scripture clearly says that the Old Testament is uh, the, it, it's symbolic. It, in the Old Testament, you have types and shadows, and the substance is found in Christ. Now, that's not something I made up. That's something the Scriptures teach us. So Colossians chapter 2, I'll start at verse 16 so you can see this talking then about the Sabbath and the new moon festivals and things like that, which are part of the Mosaic Covenant feast days. Uh, And here's what it says. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink 
or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Shabbat. These, verse 17 says, are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So scripture itself, the New Testament makes it very clear that in the Old Testament, you know, so why do they have Sabbath? Why do they have the Sabbath? Why do they have the feast days? Uh, the Passover, the you know, Feast of Booths, the in trumpets and tabernacles and, and all of those things. Those were types and shadows. And the substance is found in Christ, and Christ is the fulfillment of those things. Uh, the book of Hebrews makes that also explicitly clear. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For since the law has but a, and here's that word again, shadow, skia, of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. So, let's say for a second that there is a connection then. There is a way in which Isaiah chapter 45 is related to something in the New Covenant era. Well, the way the types and shadows work is that they are a type and shadow pointing to Jesus. And you're going to see how Lance Walnow manipulates one of the prophecies from Jeremiah chapter 23. That is clearly about Christ and tries to misapply it to Trump. And that's a problem. That's a problem altogether. So even if there is a type and shadow going on in Isaiah chapter 45, it's not pointing to Donald Trump. It's pointing to Jesus. And so if you're going to, do, if you're going to work with the types and shadows in that prophecy, you have to find the fulfillment in Christ. And that's going to be a little bit tough to do because that prophecy really isn't pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Cyrus, you know, and Cyrus has come and gone already, you know, done his thing. Now, a little bit of a note here. Jim Baker, Lance Wallnow, these men are parasites. They are wolves. They are teaching for shameful gain things that they ought not to teach. They twist God's word and manipulate it, and they are doing so for money. And that's very clear in what we're going to be seeing here. So this is where uh, the, the book of Titus and the qualifications of a pastor and the responsibility of those in pastoral ministry come into play. And so you're going to note that uh, as you listen to these qualifications, Paul is talking to Pastor Titus and saying that he needs to you know, appoint overseers, other, other pastors, uh, for the care of Christ's church. And the qualifications are actually quite important, and then we'll note why. Uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, husband of one wife, his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but he must be hospitable, a lover of the good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And those are the moral qualifications, but there are theological qualifications as well, and those come into play now. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Yeah, sound doctrine is a biblical qualification. And what we're hearing from Lance Wall now and what we're going to be continuing to hear, this isn't sound doctrine. This is a manipulation of God's word. And watch why. The, 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 the reason why pastors must be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke 
those who contradict it is because God wills for them to be silenced. Here's what he says. For there are many who are insubordinate. They are empty talkers. They are deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party, and they must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. You'll notice that there's a lot of money in false teaching, in false doctrine. And for this reason, we are warned about these false teachers and we are instructed to rebuke those who are contradicting sound doctrine. And you sit there and go, well, they claim that they're Christians. They claim that they're Christians and they support Trump and I support Trump. Yeah, I, I get that, but also can kind of keep this concept in mind, is that Jesus on earth, when the demons would say, we know who you are, Jesus, you're the son of God, he didn't allow the demons to go and preach the gospel and let everybody know who he was. Yeah, consider this idea. Uh, Luke 4, uh, starting at verse 40, now when the sun was setting and all those who had uh, were sick with various diseases, brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them, and he would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So so here's the idea, is that Lance Wilnow, Jim Baker, they are wolves, they are false teachers, and having them be representatives of conservative politics in America, as well as Christianity, would be akin to Jesus allowing the demons to go out and preach the gospel. I mean, after all, they know who Jesus is. But the last thing you want to do is give credibility to the demonic. Same principle, by the way, applied when the Apostle Paul was preaching the gospel in the city of Philippi. Uh, There was a slave girl there who uh, was possessed by a spirit of Huthona, which means she was uh, associated with the oracle at Delphi. And, uh, and watch what happens here. So as we were going to the place, this is Acts 16, 16, uh, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Yeah, I mean, that's accurate. Yeah, but you don't. You do not want demons preaching the gospel you what you end up doing is giving them credibility and then they end up destroying people that's how the demonic works so she kept doing this for many days and paul having become greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit i command you in the name of jesus christ to come out of her and it came out of her that very hour notice paul doesn't decide yeah you know She's she's got that right, man. Look at that. We are servants of the Most High God. We are proclaiming the ray of salvation. We should partner with her, you know? I mean, whoever is not against us is for us, right? No. <laughs> no. So I, I think you kind of get the idea. But let's go back to the Jim Baker show as this train wreck continues. I met you and you said, why don't you do something? I thought, yes, why don't I do something? <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the back, Isaiah Isaiah 45.1 is on the back of the coin. Now, this is not a gold coin. It's gold electroplating, which means if you put this thing in your pocket, it's going to turn green. The gold's going to rub off. And uh, it's it's amazing. And this is beautiful. Tell me, you you talked about him being Cyrus, a a type of Cyrus, a type of Cyrus. And and that doesn't make any sense. 
So Cyrus is the type and shadow, and the fulfillment is Donald Trump, not Jesus? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Colossians 2 and Hebrews 10 make that absolutely impossible. The reality is that the Jewish people had an external... Notice, a $45 donation for the Trump-Cyrus bundle. ...deliverer that came in. Because the Jews were in, in, a, in a messed up condition. And when they were in Babylon, God raised up an outsider. And so, so notice what he's doing here. He's trying to basically draw a connection between Cyrus and Trump by claiming that there's some kind of biblical pattern that's being repeated in U.S. history and Israeli ancient history. No, no, not at all. Donald Trump was not one of the card-carrying evangelicals. We had seven evangelicals going in and an outsider. Yes. And uh, I started looking at the 45th presidency, and then I heard the Lord say, Isaiah 45. All right, now note, that's a huge thing to say. He claims, I heard the Lord say Isaiah 45. That means this. I mean, let me just put this kind of out there in blunt terms. God is the ultimate authority. There is no higher authority than God. So when you play this card, you are claiming the highest authority is behind you in what you are saying. Therefore, anybody who is opposing or denying this teaching is not opposing Lance Wallnau, but is opposing God himself. That's how serious this is. And I went to it. And there it is. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, whom I've anointed. I am going to... Again, Cyrus or Koresh, Trump. Very different. Very different. Loose the belts of kings. I am going to open up the pathway. And it's, it's a prophecy a hundred years before Cyrus was born, written by Isaiah, mm-hmm. about the coming, a coming leader who was going to deliver the Jewish people. Well, I looked at that and I said... My gosh, if I keep reading it, it says, and the Lord says, I'm doing this, though you do not know me. And I thought, of course, Donald Trump doesn't know the Lord. He's prayed, he's prayed with half a dozen. That is not a prophecy regarding Donald Trump. Of course. Oh, he's cracked the code. He's figured out who, who Isaiah 45 is really about. It's not about Cyrus. It's about Trump. Who knew? An evangelist since then. Because God told him. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, because I, I talked to them. But at that point, he didn't know the Lord. He went down to uh, Iowa and was interviewed by the evangelicals. They said, and um, have you ever had a sin that you repented of? And he goes, none that I could think of. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's like the total wrong answer for our crowd. Uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. But then the Lord said, I have called him for my people. Notice what he just said. I have called Trump. The Lord said that. Ultimate authority. Israel, and for Jacob's sake, which would be the church and Israel, Wow. Though he does not even know me. And I thought, oh, my God, the person of God's anointed. He just said, OMG. Is that okay? When did that become okay for Christians? Anointed is the one who doesn't know him. Because America doesn't know who God is right now. Mm. And so God's got a controversy with the church for letting America get in the condition it's in. So he's going to pick the vessel he wants to start to fix it. That's it. That's so good. And I'll tell you, there's wow. an anointing on that if you can. Oh, no. there, there was an anointing on that? Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Wow. The authority of the word of God. And here... The authority of the word of God. Notice that they're invoking the authority. But this is... By the way, this is a breaking of that commandment that says... Are you ready? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. 
This is blasphemy. Attributing to God doctrines and teachings that he has not taught or revealed. Claiming that his voice is saying these things when they're not. And you do not have to be an anti-Trumper to recognize this. You just have to be a discerning Christian. This, this coin is minted in Israel. And so you receive... Woo! It's minted in Israel! Oh! Man, I'm sure it'll stop a bullet, you know. Make sure to keep it in your front pocket when you're traveling through, you know, sketchy neighborhoods. The video, this is at least an, about an hour long, I would say. Yeah, it is. And it explains, and Jim, what's important about this, which is different than anything else I did, is the church is in desperate need of clarity. Christians yeah. are still... Yeah, real biblical doctrinal clarity. This is not adding any clarity to an understanding of God's word at all. This is just muddying the waters beyond the ability to see through them. They're confused. Yep. Yes, They're confused because leaders are confused. Right. And so here's where... And he's saying this unironically. Mm -hmm. We are. The prophecy that God would raise up a deliverer. Now, what? Look at this. The prophecy that God would raise up a deliverer. And he and the, the verse that's coming up is Jeremiah 23, verse 5. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Jeremiah 23, verse 5, is a prophecy about Christ. Uh, yeah, let me show it to you uh, in, in the biblical text so that you can see this. Jeremiah chapter 23. I'll start at verse 1 because our three rules for sound biblical exegesis are context, context, and context. So let's kind of work through the context here. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares Yahweh. Therefore, thus is Yahweh, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock. You've driven them away. You've not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares Yahweh. Yeah, this should get every pastor to like to pay attention here. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful, and they will be mul and they will multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Now behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely. And shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which we, he will be called. Yahweh is our righteousness. That is a prophecy about Jesus. And Lance Wallnau here just made that prophecy about Donald Trump. This is utter blasphemy going on here. Deliverer was Jeremiah. Daniel went into praying. The 70-year cycle would end. And when he did, while Daniel was in Babylon, Cyrus came in. Daniel, we believe, went to Cyrus, according to historians, and showed him the prophecies that had predicted his emergence. And that was why he made a decree that the Jews could return to Israel and build their house. Where we are now is in this stage where... We're not in that stage. Cyrus is dead. You know, the exiles returned from Babylon millennia ago. Like, we're not in this stage. So notice he, he's, he's seeing this, these texts of Scripture and 
apparently they're revealing some secret pattern that's playing out again right now. This was uh, the same. This is actually the same shtick that uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn plays. And it's this is a total mangling of God's word. Prophetic voices have been prophesying revival, awakening. God's going to do great things. And suddenly it looked like America was going over a cliff. And we're going, oh, my God, is it all over? With this? There it is again. OMG. When is that? When did that become okay? Last election. And some of us saw it. You saw it more clearly than most. And uh, But the prophetic promise for America required intercession. And so intercession and fasting came before this election at an unprecedented rate. Out of that intercession... 23 million Christians who had not clearly made up their minds could not sleep the night before. This is based on George Barna data. This isn't like Pentecostal hype. This is data. 23 million Christians who didn't know what they were going to do couldn't sleep. Wow. And they were troubled, and they knew they had to vote. They went out with no coordination and 83% unity pulled the lever to give Donald Trump a chance. And that ended up translating to 250,000 votes in an electoral college in five states, which put him in the White House, much to everybody's shock or angst. Now, again, I want to point this out. I support Trump. I'm a conservative. And I don't want to have anything to do with this man and what he's doing. Because this is, this you, you do not have to embrace this if you're a Christian and you support Trump. So what this man is saying and doing here, this, this, this is parasitical. This is demonic. This guy's a wolf. He's teaching for shameful gain things they ought not to do. He's making merchandise of Christians. So where we are now is we're right at the moment where prophecy's been done. Intercessions happen. God's put a Cyrus in there like a wrecking ball. Now the next phase is the response to the open window and the open door. It's the Christian moment. So now the Lance Wow now Trump Cyrus prophecies go to the next phase. What? And Christians are staring at the open door, not knowing what to do. This is where Zerubbabel and Ezra and the characters we don't study enough. The, the char- Who knows? Zerubbabel's involved in. Ezra and uh, Nehemiah as well. Oh, that's right. Of course it's got to be Nehemiah because, you know, Nehemiah built a wall. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, yeah, it's that bad here. Characters who went in through the open door, a remnant responded to the opportunity. They moved in. God sent revival to build his house. And then Nehemiah followed up and rebuilt a wall. And you're telling us what's going on. That ta- Every preacher should have this tape. No. Nobody who is a, a, a Christian who says that they believe Scripture should have any of this. They should reject it and rebuke Lance Wall now and Jim Baker. To know what's next. To know the plan. I need that to know what's next. Oh, good grief. And in the Bible, yeah. and and uh, you go you go beyond uh, Cyrus. Yeah, we do. And, and there's and and, and, and you got a we have a booklet. I guess you'd call it. Yes, it's pre-published. We get this material uh, first, and uh, we're going to actually print it. We do. We're printing this and publishing. And that's some pretty expensive toilet paper right there. Just saying. This will come with this offer. So what you'll do, you'll get this. You'll get the video 
which is so. Listen, listen. Uh, I'm listening. I'm listening, Jim. I wouldn't buy this or any of your food buckets. No way. With the way I sit here today, this is the most important piece of material I want to get into your hands right now. Yeah. This is it. This is so high on my list. In my lifetime of 60 years on television, this... And how many years in prison? Again, you're just, how long were you? You're just curious. This is so powerful. I saw it in at home. It was so powerful. I couldn't shut it off. I was supposed to go to... It's so powerful. I mean, he, he had to go to bed. He, can, he just couldn't go to bed. He just, so powerful. I kept watching. I kept watching. It is it is the now. It will help you understand where we're It's the now. We're going. And you bring us beyond Cyrus. You bring us what's next. Right. It's happening now because the house of God was being restored. And then the wall was built. To this day, I don't think we understand the relationship between Nehemiah and our own history. What's the big... Yeah. <clears throat> the fact that anybody would take this seriously is mind-boggling. This is just a complete flim-flam con show here. Subject right now on the border, it's the wall. Yeah. What was the big issue in Israel? The wall. What's the common ground? The common wow. ground is Satan wants to tear down nation states that have God's calling on them. So the United States is called by. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry, but that, that just is overinflating the, the role that the United States plays in human history and why we exist as a nation. My God, Satan wants to destroy it. How do you destroy it? You literally have to deconstruct, it's called, deconstruct the nation state. You have to make them hate their history, hate their. Now, a little bit of a note here. The tactics that he's describing, used by socialist communists and the you know the the Antifa crowd, you know, were basically any kind of patriotism that you have towards the United States is 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 interpreted as fascism or some kind of you know overt nationalism of the kind that the Nazis had. That that is a rhetorical tactic that is is absolutely duplicitous and wrong. And so I'm going to basically make this point, and that is, is that I agree that the tactics being used by the social justice warrior left in trying to get us to hate and despise ourselves and our history as, a, in, you know, as an American, this is absolutely reprehensible on their part, and I, I would say even treasonous. But again, that being said, it's the doctrine that we're going after. These guys are parasites. They are boils on the rear end of the body of Christ, and they need to be lanced. Pun intended. Yeah. Flag, you have to accuse people that are patriotic of being right-wing nationalists and fascists. You have to uh, make it popular to despise your own history and then start tearing down the symbols of your own history. Yeah, I'm glad that Lance Wall now is uh, joined the fight against the SJW left. But... Uh, Sorry, I'm not going to get in the same trench with this guy. Won't do it. No way. This this guy, because he's a wolf, is ultimately an enemy. He is not our friend. Because you hate your own history. That's 
That's what Marxism does when it wants to do what it's called the long march through the institutions. It goes through education and entertainment and government, law and politics, and it invades and deconstructs. What this does is this gives you. Okay, notice then. The problem is the long march of communism and their deconstruction of the institutions of the of of society as a whole. I'm absolutely 100% on board in saying that they are doing that and it is dangerous and we need to oppose them. But the solution that Lance Wallnow is pointing to is this booklet that they're selling on the Jim Baker show along with the gold coin, electroplated gold coin uh, of Trump and Cyrus. No. The problem that we that we face is a mortal enemy, mortal enemy to freedom, to humanity as a whole. And the solution is not found in this booklet put together by Lance Walna, where he's somehow drawing a connection between Trump and Cyrus and Nehemiah and Ezra and Zerubbabel. Yeah, no, no, no. The solution is actually the real word of God, rightly preached, correctly taught calling the United States and others to repent of their sin, of their idolatry, and to be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ, and then bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, which then does have an impact on your votes. In this manual, the timeline for God's counter-movement. Mm-hmm. You could, I could describe what, uh, what's bad, we all get it, but what's the move God's doing? We have the prophets prophesying. Uh, Jim, you are... You are- yeah, there is no pattern that's going to be repeating regarding Daniel and Cyrus and you know and these people. This is this is utter flimflam. Or a prophetic voice. What you're doing with with your broadcast is a prophetic voice. No, Jim Baker's a false prophet. It's the voice of God telling us what's coming and what is possible. No, God's word is being manipulated. Turn it into you know somehow tea leaves that we can somehow see the future regarding what's coming in the immediate days of the Trump administration. No. And so out of that comes intercession. How many of you have been praying all across America? How many of you have been praying? This coin is our point of contact. When I asked the Lord why... What? This coin is a point of contact. Notice what he just said there. When I asked the Lord... Let me fact, let me back this up just a smidge. Listen again He's going to claim direct communication from God regarding this coin. This coin is our point of contact. When I asked the Lord why the coin, the Lord said, because when you take the coin, it's a point of contact. So your faith is being... So note, the Lord, why the coin? Well, the the coin is your point of contact, says the Lord. And if you disagree with this, well, thus saith the Lord, you're opposing God. God wants you to have this coin so that it could be a point of contact. Uh-huh. Released with a million other believers to pray protection and peace and wisdom and counsel over the president of the United States and over his family. Mm-hmm. That's our point of contact every day yeah. when you see it. The coin is point of contact. Remember, yeah. God, po- you know, people could, you know, if they want to pray for Trump and they should be praying for trump they should be praying for all of our elected governmental officials you know that uh, a number two pencil and a piece of paper that could be a point of contact too a lot less expensive and it doesn't require you to support the ministry of a false teacher and a false apostle 
like Lance Wellnow and Jim Baker. Put something in your in your hand okay. that you have a role in. Right. Get them get them now while we have them. Therapy. I think you get the point. Utter flim flam. Utter flim flam. This is a t- complete con job, mangling of God's word. And if you are a Christian, a conservative, and a supporter of Trump, you need to reject this this kind of parasitical false teaching and and drum these people out of Christianity and out of the Republican Party because this has this is not what God's word teaches. These men are clearly you know trying to line their pockets with money and are manipulating God's word and kind of riding on the Trump bandwagon uh, along the way, you know, in order to line their pockets and to fleece people all in the name of, oh, well, this is a, God told me and, and, and all that kind of nonsense. God didn't tell him any of this. I think you get the point. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>